Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Well, let me just ask you this question. How many of you are headed to school this fall and it's getting close by a raise of hand if you're going to be going in school of some sort? Okay, very good. Many of you are able to do that. How many of you are teachers? Anybody teachers? I see some hands of some teachers. You can barely lift them already. That's interesting. Uh, Today we have a guest, a friend of ours, Pastor Tabor Nudd, who is the chaplain at our Collegedale Academy School System Middle school and elementary school. and Elementary, middle school, academy, there's going to be registration later this week. you got a couple more weeks left. But we just want to say it again. We love our young people here at Crosswalk. And uh, whether you're a grade schooler, whether you're homeschooling, whether you are in middle school, high school, you're one of our college students, we've got all sorts of college students kind of finding their way in as well. We, we just love our students. And, and so we just thought, look, let's have a moment in this campus day where we're transitioning through the summer. We would just like to find our way to cheer for you, to dedicate ourselves to you, to pray together, and to just think about Jesus together as well. So I just have a little prayer here for Tabor, a good friend of, of mine, as we get into the word. Father, thank you so much for your love, and thank you for... For all of the teachers, whether they're in our own school system, they're in the public school system, at the university, somewhere else, our homeschool leaders and teachers, thank you for all of these students. We, Lord God, we love our young people. And so I pray a blessing on our teachers. As an example, I just lift up to you Tabor and his ministry and pray that you bless him. Bless our young people. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Dave, for the invitation to be here this morning, and um, good morning to all of you as well. It is nice to see many of you here, many of your faces I recognize, students from the school, parents. Um, it's just um, a great, you guys have a wonderful church family here, and um, the, it's alive and well, and it's just wonderful to see each of you here. But um, it's a joy and honor to be here. And again, thank you, Pastor Dave, for this invitation to share with you a little bit this morning. Um, I know some of you guys are, are probably mixed emotions a little bit about school starting or, um, you know, parents may, may be, kids may be excited, may be sad. Parents are probably more excited because kicking the kids back to school, <laughs> a little more free time rather than whatever your feelings are. I know school is here and, and we're about to get started. I know over at Collegeville Academy, the teachers have been there a lot the last few weeks just getting things together. This year at College Academy, we are at record enrollment, which is incredible. I think um, numbers, in at least in the two buildings I work, the elementary and middle school are higher than they have ever been, um, which is just a blessing. It's a lot of wonderful things happening there. Wonderful staff and teachers. And we want to thank you, um, teachers who are here, um, but also the parents who, who believe in, in the Christian Adventist education to send your kids to the school there. Uh, As we begin, as we dive in a little bit, uh, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this time, for this opportunity that we can just open your word and share a little bit. We ask that your Holy Spirit may lead and guide um, the words that I share, but the thoughts that we think, that we may be directed um, closer to you, be challenged a little bit uh, in our journey, that we may live our life for you however you may call us and lead us. And so, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and how all that you will do for us this day 
as we spend this time together. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Yeah, Pastor Dave, as he invited me, asked me to share a little bit maybe about education, a little bit about um, school, and, and also I just wanted to say thank you to the teachers as well um, for all that you are doing because teaching is, is something that's very, very special. You need to be called to teaching if you want to do teaching, right? We know that. It's, working with middle schools, schools especially is... is um, there's never a dull moment working with middle schoolers. I tell you you, you, you begin to realize that every day anything could happen. Maybe some of you guys remember being in middle school if you've passed it and can think back to some of those days. We, at the beginning of every school year, we take our middle schoolers on, on a trip, an outdoor ed trip. For years it has been Wesley Woods and some of you who may be in the audience who went to College Hill Cat or Spalding at the time um, may remember going to Wesley Woods because I believe they've done it for over 30 years. But the last couple of years, they, they changed locations because the camp was not able to, to host us. And so we've tried different, several other places. A couple of years ago, we ended up going to Fall Creek Falls. Anybody been to Fall Creek Falls? Okay, several of you. <laughs> Fall Creek Falls, a beautiful place. If you've not been there, you need to go. It is a beautiful beautiful state park just a couple hours north of here. Um, we went to Fall Creek Falls and uh, we do, and we did at Wesley Woods, we do these night hikes where we take the kids out at night so supposedly they'd be able to hear some of the, the wildlife at night, okay? But just imagine some 60-some kids on a night hike, um, as loud as can be, they don't usually hear too much animal sounds. We scare the animals off in a, in a, in a group like that. Well... At Wesley Woods, we split up in smaller groups and they lead us to different parts and, and we usually be in smaller groups and could hear some things. They told us at Falk Creek Falls, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Wait till the sun goes down. We're gonna go and meet um, right across the road from the golf course and we're gonna walk across the street and we're just gonna walk as a giant group down the golf course. Now, I heard this idea when they were talking to us about it and for anyone who loves golf like myself, kind of makes your skin crawl to think about 65 kids just running across the golf course. The greens, just imagine them tearing them up. There's sand traps out in the course, kids just falling into them. I mean, they're, they're goofing around. It's just, it's just, it sounds like madness. And it was a little bit madness when we got there. As kids were everywhere, it was so loud. I kept pulling out my phone because it's supposed to be pitch black. We're not gonna see a thing out here as we're navigating down the eighth hole and over, anyways, going. We come to this pond and the kids are all around and they're all talking and we're trying to be quiet and they're just not paying attention. And, and the kids are kind of bumping each other and pulling each other back like they're pushing each other back in the pond. It's classic middle school behavior, right? Well, all of a sudden, several of them had been on this hike during the day where they learned what plants were edible. Okay, so some of them think they're experts by this point of what plant is, is okay to eat. And so all of a sudden, again, it's totally dark, but I see a kid break off a cattail. You know who they are? By the, by, the, um, by the ponds that grow there. And he walks over the side. And again, he's probably only about five, 10 feet from me because it is totally dark. And I see him stick it in his mouth and bite down on it. So if any of you guys have had... Um, Broken apart a cattail or seen, they're like, once you break them, they become like what? Cotton. They just like start just, they grow. And, and what? so imagine half of this in this kid's mouth. And I, I was like, what, what are you doing? 
Not like in, I was upset at him, but just asked the question, what, 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 were, you, what were you thinking? I just, and he's like, well, he tried to talk, and as he was talking, this white cotton stuff just started expanding out of his mouth. As he was trying to, to, to say, I, well, he said I could eat, one of the kids said I could eat it. He told me, and this is what it's like sometimes working in middle school. You never know what you expect. It's just, it's just like that sometimes. And, and to teach students like this, again, think back when you were in middle school. It's, it's just a constant uh, journey. Some days are funny. We have great memories talking back with teachers, talking with teachers about the, some of these events. Um, but yes, there's some moments that are, are, are challenging. Some that, that push us to the limits of how to handle situations and some of the things that may be going on with some of the kids and whatever else. And um, yes, please continue to pray for the teachers of the schools. But teaching, I do believe, is a calling from God. So I should always be put in that perspective. It's not something that's just a career that you should get into. It should be a passion you have. And for those who do it, I want to say thank you. It is a calling because we have those who teach not only in our Adventist schools, um, at College Academy, or, or there's many around there that I want to thank, but our public schools and to our universities and, and even homeschooling as well. Um, all of you play an important part of doing ministry, of strengthening each other and being faithful to the call Christ has given us. I want to read in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to look there or, or look it up on your phones or your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen as well. But starting with verse 4, it says this. Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Skipping down a few verses to 11, it says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, those he's called, to equip his people for works of his service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. This is a calling from Christ. God has given teachers gifts to teach, to educate, to, and it says, equip people for works of service to help them grow in their faith, to help them grow in strength. And so I do want to say it is a calling, and we want to thank you, those who teach, in whatever setting you find yourself. Again, in the school, professionally, being paid to do it, or whether you find yourself at home teaching. We thank you for the ministry that you do. Some people often forget how impactful teachers are. Just dividing it out, teachers spend about seven hours a day if they go from Eight to three with kids. But you know teachers are there long before that and teachers stay long afterwards. A new study um, by Education Weekly says that teachers spend an average of 54 hours a week working. So you think about that. That's about almost for five days, it's 11 hours a day. 
working. And that's not just at home grading papers or at school grading papers. It's lessons plans. It's actually going to extracurricular activities, uh, music or sports or or, um, tutoring, whatever it may be, the hours that it goes in to teach. Now, I've worked as a youth pastor before in the church setting. And it's interesting because as you work in a church, you see the students, the youth that you work with once a week sometimes. Sometimes you'll find them or have different events throughout the week, but it's hard to build the relationships because sometimes it takes some time when you don't see people on a regular basis. But the teachers in the school, the hours they are with students face-to-face, the things that the students come in each and every day, I mean, life is real for them because they come into school, and if they're struggling with something, you can see it on their face Prayer request time sometimes becomes, let me just share what's going on at home. (laughs) You hear all kinds of stuff in prayer request time. But also the teachers begin to hear and understand more about the life and get to know these students deeply. They are ministering on a greater level than many of you ever realize. Sometimes they're driving kids back and forth to places. Sometimes they're visiting kids in the hospital connecting with families on a greater level. It's incredible the ministry that our teachers do. And I want to thank each one of you who does teach again and again for all that you do. Today, as we open up our scripture and explore a little bit, I want to challenge you on uh, or look at, maybe just think about these three things. And I'll hit back at them at the end. But first, I want to challenge any of you teachers who are out there here today to remember your calling. Remember, do you have great responsibility to stand up in front of kids and educate them? Not just about the topic or subject you teach, but about Christ. Number two, I want to challenge any families who are maybe thinking about sending your kids to Christian education to hopefully confirm in your hearts why you're spending the big money you are to send them to the schools that you are. And third, I want to challenge any of you who may not have children or maybe past that point in your life to think about, hey, what does this look like for me now? Do I have uh, a part in this as well? Because I do believe that you do. You do, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. I invite you to look in your Bibles to John chapter four, kind of our story that we're gonna look at today. This is a story where Jesus begins calling his disciples, not officially yet as the apostles, uh, the 12 apostles that we know, but just a simply more of a come follow me. This has been after Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist and has been into the wilderness. We see him now beginning to call individuals to come and fall, come and see, come and check out what, what is happening. And we see in John chapter one, verse 35, it says this, the next day, John, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When two of his disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which 
when translated, is Peter. This is the first of two stories. We're going to jump into the next one here in a moment. But of Jesus initially come Come follow me. But we see John the Baptist at first. He had gained quite a following. There was people who followed John and believed. But John's point, what was it? To prepare the way for Christ. And so when he sees Jesus, he begins to point attention to Jesus and say, look, the Lamb of God. So all of a sudden his followers begin to turn and say, oh, this is, this is the Messiah, the one who you have been talking about. But they began to question at first. They wanted to see. They wanted to do their own testing, their own investigating. And so they began to explore themselves and see if he truly was the Messiah. Now, this is a question I think each one of us have asked at one point in our life. No matter where you've come from, your background, whether you've grown up as a Christian or not, you, you kind of start to ask that question, do I really believe in this man, Jesus, who... who is talked about in this Bible. We know historically, yes, he existed, but like, do I really believe he's a savior and the Messiah, the one who could save me from our sins? And this is what we see these disciples starting to investigate and question themselves. But we begin to ask this question so often, and I see it even with young people, especially elementary and middle age, is because they begin to ask that question and own it for themselves. They've grown up under their parents' household, and then they begin to break off in a certain way, a good positive way, to start owning faith for themselves. And start to question, do I really believe in this man, Jesus? And that's a good thing because we want our kids to own it for themselves. We want them to believe, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But they've got to own it for themselves. And we see the disciples begin to do this. And it's so important to realize. And why I believe a school like College Academy is a great place for this to happen is because it's surrounded by, or they are surrounded by spiritual mentors, leaders, teachers that help guide them in this way. In the book Sticky Faith by Chip Clark and Kara Powell, they talk about, the book is great. If you've not gotten or not heard of it, I invite you to look at it because it talks about how we can help our young people, our youth, stick in their faith. So as they grow older, they'll stay strong instead of just peeling away and going off some other direction. But we see them talk about many important factors through a research-based study. One of the important factors in what they do and what they've said is our youth and younger people need five to one ratio, at least. Five adult spiritual mentors that can help guide them in their journey of life. Okay, does that make sense? One child, five, at least five adult spiritual mentors. They can kind of be that, that support, that strength, because guess what? I know as parents, sometimes we want to guide in all thy ways, but guess what? Our kids are curious. Our kids want to, to, to explore different areas. And if they have other people speaking truth into their life, being a positive spiritual mentor, giving them guidance, because our kids may not always want to ask us those questions. You know, the story one that Kara Powell tells is about Tony Dungy. Recognize that name? Head coach years ago, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe, and also the Indianapolis Colts. Won the Super Bowl. Great coach. He was in his kitchen with his son as he was coaching. His son came in who was now starting high school football and was eating this breakfast that looked like it was nothing. His dad, Tony, said, son, you need to start eating more than that. Well, whatever, dad, whatever. And kept doing that, just ignored what his dad suggested. All of a sudden, a couple weeks later, we see his son. He said he walks in and sees his son making this big spread, this big breakfast with all kinds of food. And he's putting this, he's like, 
what are you doing? He said, well, well my coach said I need to uh, have a bigger breakfast. If I have a bigger breakfast, then I'd be able to get stronger and do what I need to do to do this on the football team. He's like, we have an NFL coach who has won the Super Bowl, who has told his son to do this, didn't listen to him at all. But all of a sudden, he has his coach telling him, all right, I guess I need to start doing this. Sometimes as parents, we can't speak all the life and all the truth into our kids, and they need these spiritual mentors around them to help support and encourage them. And so as kids are exploring this question, Jesus, are you real? To have other people besides us as parents teaching them and guiding them, how important that is. So even if you don't have kids that you are raising at this moment, or not kids yet, or you're past that point, guess what? You can still be spiritual mentors to the young people around you. We need you. They need you to help them grow in Christ. So we see here in this story, the disciples begin to investigate, is this man really the Messiah? Is this who he is? And so they begin to follow Jesus, and they ask us, Jesus turns around and asks, well, what do you guys want? And they're kind of stumbling over the words, at least I imagine. They're like, Rabbi, uh, where are you staying? Maybe they're curious about, well, does he have a place to stay? Or, or where are you going? We, we've, we want to make sure that you're taking, your needs are taken care of. And Jesus simply says, come and you will see. Well, they begin to spend that time together as they socialize and, and talk and listen and learn. And, and through this time, Andrew begins so um, uh, to be convicted that, yes. Spending time with Jesus is enough to convict him that I need to get my brother over here and talk to and have him learn about. So he can see this is the one. And so he goes and gets Simon. And when Jesus sees Simon, they see each other. And Jesus says, you will no longer be Simon. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is significant. Means rock. There's not much more in this story, but we obviously know Peter is woven throughout scripture many more as it goes on. But this significance of like, man, spending time with Jesus, I don't know what to say, but I've got to introduce you to Jesus. How important that is. The next story goes on as we continue reading in verse 43 of chapter one of John. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. When Jesus saw Nathanael approach and he said to them, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that. This story is is so fascinating because here Philip, after he spent some time with Jesus, becomes so convicted that he's like, I've got to tell my friend Nathaniel about Jesus. And so he goes and finds Nathaniel. And I begin, I'm sure he, this is the one we've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. And, and, and it's interesting because it says he's from, from Nazareth. 
Do you catch that? And, and Nathaniel almost laughs at that. It's like, what? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Now, why is this? We don't know much about Nazareth, except when you begin to explore that place, we find out that um, this was a place that, well, first of all, he knew scripture well. There was no prophecy about the Messiah coming from Nazareth. And secondly, Rome had kind of taken inhabitant of that, that town and, and set up a, a barracks for soldiers and, and the um, influence of, of Rome had gone rampant across that area. And so their, their gods and, and, and whatever society um, they did, it was all heavily influenced in that. And so to think that the Messiah would come from that area, it's just, it's, nothing good comes from there. But he said, no, no, you've got to come and see. You've got to meet this man, Jesus. And so as he comes, it's interesting because Jesus first sees him and he, he simply looks at him and says, now here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I believe the older NIV translations have said, this is a true Israelite. This was a phrase that brought Nathaniel great comfort and honor and respect. Because what basically Jesus was saying is, here is a man who, who is dedicated to God, who has truly followed God with all his heart. He, he's dedicated and sold out. He's, he's not legalistic in a legalistic way like the Pharisees become, but he's honestly searching for God's will in his life. And then Jesus even goes to that point where he says, hey, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. There's not much about this verse, but as we begin to understand what other um, scholars say about this passage, and even Ellen White talks about this, is, is Philip, he was there under that tree, praying to God, seeking for God's wisdom in his life, understanding God's will, God, and maybe some of us have been at that point, wanting to know God's will for our life. This is where Nathaniel was at, and he was trying to understand, and Jesus brings him back to that point. I saw you under the tree. I know you're praying to God. I know what you're doing. I want you to come and follow me. It was like in that moment that it began to click in his mind. This is truly the Messiah. How could he know these things about me? And I imagine Philip there watching this dialogue as he's going back and forth as Jesus is talking, wondering how long it's going to take for, for, for um, Nathaniel to know that this is the Messiah and to actually believe in him as all of a sudden the lights come on in his mind. And Philip's like, yes, he's doing it. He believes, he believes. And Nathaniel then declares, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So many times we come to moments like this where we don't know what to say or we can't do. But what we see here is a simple action of Philip. I can't do it all, but let me just introduce you to Jesus. Let me just introduce you because if you spend time with Jesus, I guarantee you, your life is gonna be changed. I read this story and I so but help think of the teachers of our school and what they do for the kids. They introduce Jesus to these kids. Each and every day by the things they share. Yes, I do believe, as I've said before, education is a calling. They feel compelled to equip God's people, these children, for works of service as they raise them in their faith to help them grow in strength and wisdom of God. But that's what they're doing. They're introducing these young people to Jesus as they grow in their strength and love for him. 
It's amazing how many times I've seen young people come out of classrooms pumped up, excited. I mean, yes, it's not always like this. It's not a perfect place. It is school, yes. And there's a lot of things that are happening where, where kids may be struggling with this, but I also come see when kids come out, they're like, man, Bible class was awesome today. Or I appreciate how this teacher explains something. Or, or if any even in Bible says, I get the privilege of doing Bible studies with kids and they talk about things, they have questions about, man, how can I know if I'm saved? Or I don't understand this idea about great controversy. Can you talk about it with me? And we talk about it. We see the lights come on about things It's a joy and honor to come alongside these kids and help them learn and to equip them for what they've been called to do to understand their walk with Jesus Christ on a greater level. But one thing I love is how Jesus says this to Nathaniel. You believe because I I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that. Friends, when we begin introducing Jesus to others, which doesn't happen, doesn't mean just because I'm saying, hey, this happens in the school. This is really a call for each one of us as well, a challenge for each one of us is to share Jesus. But when we do that, when we start introducing Jesus to others, we begin to see Jesus work in greater ways than we ever can expect. We sometimes limit to put him into a box, but things begin to happen when we begin to introduce Jesus to others. This past, well, it's been, it's been actually a couple years, but a couple years ago, I was doing some Bible studies with some fifth graders. And in that Bible study group, it was a larger group than normal I like to study with, but some of the kids were just doing very well and asking questions and fully alive. And, and we got to the, the study about baptism. And there's been a kid that was a great kid, but he's just kind of quiet, doesn't say a whole lot. And he just kind of sat there. And anyways, I talked about baptism and so forth. And I said, I want this. I always say this with that. I want this to be your decision. There's no, and, and God wants it to be. There's no, no one's, you decide when you want to do this. This is your choice. And it was interesting because all the kids walked out, but there was one boy that stayed afterwards and he said, pastor, pastor, I want to get baptized. I'm like, yes, great. When, when you want to listen, do you want me to talk to your parents? How do we want to go about doing this? He said, well, let me talk to mom first. I want to talk to mom first. Okay. I said, if I haven't heard from you in a couple of days, I'll, I'll come and find you and see if I need a call or whatever else. So he goes home, I guess has a conversation with mom. I get a call a day or two later. Hello? We started talking and she said, I'm so excited my son has decided to get baptized. I mean, the things he's told me about Bible studies, he's come home at different times. I'm like, great, I'm so excited. He's done great. He's, I've seen him grow. I mean, it's, it's, it's been wonderful. She said, but you know, it's, it was so fascinating because, and interesting, and I feel, basically, Pastor, as he has grown in his relationship with Jesus, it has challenged me. I see, seeing my kid make this decision to want to get baptized, I need to get baptized with him. Can you baptize both of us? I was not expecting that at all. I'm doing Bible studies with the children. But all of a sudden, this children then impacts his mom. And all of a sudden, I am fortunate enough, blessed enough, let's make this happen. And so, yes, the two of them got baptized. It was the highest Sabbath, several, a year or so back, back in Collegeville Church. The two of them got baptized together, son and mother. And I think of these words, yes, sometimes we're like, we think we're on this path, well, I've got to do this and that. If we simply start introducing people to Jesus, he begins to work in great ways. And all of a sudden, greater things start to happen because 
Jesus has taken control. Jesus is leading through the conversation. Jesus is what it all is all about. And so, again, I see this happening in our schools. Yes, I, I talk about all the great things that happen. There are things that happen at school that are, that are challenges. It's not a perfect place. And yes, our teachers sometimes have their, high, their highs and their lows. They are normal human beings that face battles every time. They're struggling with this or that or whatever else. So, yes, it's not a perfect place but they are doing their best to faithfully answer the call that Christ has given them to minister, to equip these young people for works of service. And so I think about what, you know, what we've talked about today, and I kind of want to leave a challenge with you to hit you each, perhaps whatever stage of life you're on or whatever stage you're at. First, um, if you've not already done it or already decided to put your kids into Adventist education, I invite you or challenge you to, to think about it, pray about it. it. May not be for you at this moment, but maybe, hey, just something to think about because there are good things. We see young people become spiritual leaders even at a young age, being a positive influence to their friends. Think about that. Number two, if you are a teacher, Again, whether you be in a Christian school, public, university, or even homeschool, remember your calling. Bring your students to Jesus. I know some settings don't always provide the opportunity to talk about Jesus freely, but remember Paul's words. I am not ashamed of the gospel. There's power of salvation that comes when we talk about the gospel of Jesus. Your calling as an educator is wrapped so deeply in that. And number third, or number three, again, if this is not your world right now, if your children are grown up and gone, if you've not had children yet, think about ways that you can plug in to be a part of the lives of children. You have a church community here. You can be involved in children's programming, doing stuff. We, they need spiritual mentors help guide them to be positive influence in their life because if they don't have mom and dad there or they'd rather talk to someone else or whatever it is they have someone they can talk to look there's my coach there's my Sabbath school teacher there's so and so you can speak life into them you can change their life because you've taken the time to get to know them and plugged into their life friends I believe there's a job for each one of us in this calling that we've had Maybe it's simply, I don't know what to say, but let me introduce you to Jesus. Let him take care of the rest. But come alongside these people and answer the calling that Christ has given you to strengthen them and support them in their journey. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com Chattanooga and click the give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name. <laughs>